morning. So last week, Pastor Bud talked about the importance of prayer if we are to be obedient to Jesus' command to go and make disciples. And he challenged us to be bold, to have courage, to be obedient. And I hope sharing several of my prayer experiences about Matthew 28, 18 will encourage you to pray more and go boldly. First, for a very long time in my morning conversation with God, when it would come to praying for others, I would begin by praying for the world in America, that the church worldwide, Horizon and I, would do our part to help bring an end to terrorism, human trafficking, and slavery. About six months ago, I was convicted to change my prayer, to pray that the church worldwide, Horizon and I, would become committed to sharing the gospel and helping new believers become disciples as it is truly the only way to change our world. And here we are, doing a series on Go. Also for a very long time, I've been working on not letting my being an introvert keep me from being obedient to Jesus' Great Commission. I would read books and articles about how to talk to strangers. I would even take notes. I'd put them in my car. I would pray for God to help me apply what I read but I seldom risk stepping outside my comfort zone, which for an introvert is very small. Then just three months ago, I read the biography of Dallas Willard, who wrote The Divine Conspiracy. Years earlier, I was blessed to hear him speak numerous times at Renovari spiritual conferences. I watched him interact with people, and I got to talk to him twice. Even though he was an introvert, he did not behave that way in those settings. In the biography, Becoming Dallas Willard, there is a story about how one time a man visited a diner that Dallas frequented called the Lamplighter. Dallas and he spoke for 10 minutes while waiting to pay their bills. 25 years later, that man returned for the first time to the Lamplighter where he encountered the biographer and they spoke. And 25 years later, that man still remembers his conversation with Dallas Willard. I happened to be sharing about that incident one morning at Canary when I was convicted by the fact that the same woman, Ashley, has taken my order for several years now and I've never said more than hello. I then and there committed myself to being an irresistible lamplighter. That's my own shorthand for Dallas Willard's 10-minute encounter with a stranger at the Lamplighter Diner. Expecting I would see Ashley at my next early morning visit to Panera's, I prayed daily for that encounter. When I saw her next, I began the conversation by saying, you're always here early in the morning. I'm guessing you're a morning person. To my surprise, she said, no. <laughs> I work this morning shift so I can save the best of me for my afternoon job. I immediately talked to God, as only an introvert would need to in that circumstance. I said, God, I know I need to keep this conversation going, but I don't know what to say next. Help. And he came to me. I asked her, well, what is that afternoon job that you look forward to doing? And we went on to have a meaningful connecting conversation. 
Since acting on my commitment to be an irresistible lamplighter, the Holy Spirit has given me words to start numerous conversations with casual encounters, something I would not have done in the past. But now I recognize my dove is here in the Lehigh Valley. I pray my experiences encourage you to accept Pastor Bud's challenge to pray, be bold, and go.
setting while you're finding your Bible. Um, and if you if you look at it, Church Bible Training, page 1589. Um, but I will say this. Uh, the, the title Prodigal Son is probably one of the least accurate titles of parables in the Bible. Um, a better title would be uh, the Prodigal Son Goes in 
one lawsuit. And when he finds the lawsuit, the shepherd will throw a party. The second story is about a woman who loses some money. She will search high and low in her house for the money. When she finds it in the story, she will call all the friends and uh, invite them all to sweet memories, tea, toast, and a nice little girl party uh, to celebrate the, the finding of the money. The third story, uh, the story we'll look at, is a story about a father who loses a son. And the pattern is very much the same as the other two stories. So, we're going to dive into this story. I'm only going to read a few verses at a time and then talk about it. That's very simply how we're going to go through this. So here's the third story, the third story about lost about the verse 11. So to illustrate the point still further, Jesus told them this story. There was a man who had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to Romans chapter 1, verse 18, it says this, the wrath of God is being 
somebody in that kind of circumstance and they show up needing help, usually all of their belongings are in a plastic grocery bag. That's usually how they show up at the house. And they have a plastic grocery bag and all their belongings are in that bag. Danny didn't even have a plastic bag. Uh, Danny didn't have a dollar shaved in and Danny didn't even own a toothbrush. And as I'm driving Danny to the store where I was going to buy him a toothbrush, uh, it struck me that I was driving Danny in a car I had owned and Danny didn't even own a toothbrush. Now Danny himself was not late. So he was surely wasting a life. Wasting a soul. And a soul and a mind and a life is a terrible thing to waste. So in the story, this boy ends up pleading the case. And Jesus said, even the pods that he was pleading the case are good to him. Any of you ever plead case? I have. Does it look appetizing? What's the word pleading case? It looks like slop. Slimy, muddy, stinky, dirty slop. And for a Jew, there's something in this story that we miss because for a Jewish person, having to deal with pigs is something only the ungodly pagan Gentiles were raised. For so a young Jewish boy to end up dealing with pigs and treating them was about the lowest form of degradation imaginable. For this boy, there is nothing, nothing lower. You know, lots of times, uh, people who have run away to a distant land, lots of times, those people end up doing things beneath their dignity. And they know it. Even when they're doing it, they know it. Things with their bodies, things with their words, things with their minds, and their souls are scarred from doing it. Truth is, end up in the wrong bed, say the wrong words, look at the wrong thing in the fake digital world, and even while we're doing it, we feel that churning in our stomach and in our souls, we feel that bite in our conscience. And maybe you've done it so often that you don't even feel it anymore. And our souls are now scarred. Even the pigs and even the pig food looks good. I thank God, truly, I thank God that the story doesn't end there. So, back to the story, verse 17. When he, when this son, finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare. 
where their farms are. Farmers, in other words, they live in the country on the same property that they farm. Now, in Israel, in biblical Israel, and in Israel even to this day, and in fact in many places in the world, that's not the way farmers operate. Farmers didn't live on their property. Farmers would live in the city or the village and meet with everybody else there. They would live inside the walls in biblical biblical Israel. And the fields would be somewhere outside of the walls. So in biblical Israel, farmers didn't live on their property. They lived in the village. And their fields would be outside the village, maybe a couple miles away. And every day, the farmer would leave his city, leave his village, walk out through the gates, and go to work in his fields. Now that's really important to understand so that two parts of this story make a little bit more sense. First of all, it's going to be important to understand, to have that image in our brains, why it is that the older brother had no idea what was going on at home until he started getting close to home. Because he was probably a mile away he wouldn't know about the party until he walked back into the village and almost got to his home. The second reason that this is important to have this image and to understand it this way is that we're told the way Jesus tells the story in the text that Jesus said that the father saw his son coming a long way off. Now because of the way we picture farms in our country, we don't have the right In biblical Israel, villages and cities, even small cities, were always, without exception, they were always built on tops of hills or on tops of high places. Often cities would be built on top of the, the ruins of two or three or four thousand years of occupation. And that was on purpose. Cities were built on top of hilltops and then they were walled because you always wanted to have the, the advantage of being on the highest spot in the area. You wanted to be able to, from your village, you wanted to be able to look out and, and look as far as you could at all the surrounding landscape. You wanted plenty of warning about who is it that is coming down that road. Is it a friend or is it a foe? You needed to have plenty of opportunity to prepare yourself so you needed to be able to so when in this story Jesus says that the father saw the son a long way off, you cannot picture a U.S. farm and a U.S. farmer. You can't picture the farmer sitting on the porch, sitting on the swing on his porch swing, sipping iced tea with the creak of the swing slowly going back and forth, wiping the sweat with an old snot